Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 257 of the Spoiler Alert podcast, brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. This is Mike. I'm here with Danny, and tonight we're discussing the third installment of the John Wick series called John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Danny, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Should I pronounce that Parabellum? Like, that would have been like Shazam? Oh, like Shazam? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Just to further underline your distaste (laughs) for this franchise that you've not participated in. Right, I'm a rookie at, yes, yeah. Yeah, so we, so... For all the listeners, I mean, regular listeners certainly know this is not necessarily your milieu, your cup of tea, or your Correct. preferred style of film. Correct. And to add insult to that injury, I just dropped you in a chapter three. Like, there wasn't, you know, Throw let's go back in. and watch the first one. No. It, well, in your defense, you encouraged me to watch the first two I before I saw this, and I did not have time to do that. But that's that was my fault, not, not yours. Right. Like, I agreed to watch the movie and review it with you, yes. So I just mentioned that up front because while I normally discount almost everything you say on the episode, I feel like this episode I have more of a leg to stand on to just completely brush away all your criticisms. <laughs> normally you think because, I have nothing of value to say. No, but, no value but at today, all. today you're just acknowledging it up front. Like you should just right. do this one as a monologue. You have no expertise in this area. <laughs> right, right. I, I like no, that. I, I make that little joke because I sent you an article earlier today. I don't know if you'd see that Rotten Tomatoes continues to try and fight internet trolls by trying now before you can write a user review for a movie, you have to validate somehow that you bought a ticket and you in fact paid for and saw the movie. Just like MoviePass once upon a time. Like MoviePass, yeah. Like So this is like their goal of saying, oh, you didn't see the movie. We're just going to invalidate and not publish your review and you can't put a score up. And this is to try and prevent people again going out like when Captain Marvel was released and giving it 30,000 negative reviews the day before it opened. Yeah. You know, which again is more reviews than Avengers Infinity War got for its entire like six month run. This is day one. You know, so I, they're trying to trying to fight the, fight the trolls. I think that that's a thing that is worth trying to figure out a solution for, but I have no idea what the solution would be because even like with Rotten Tomatoes as a critical reviewer, you have to have X number of blog posts or something else. Like it, it seems a little bit more difficult to get to the point where you can post a critical review on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. So I think what you're saying is that you can't even post an audience score unless you can now right. prove to them that you had a ticket for the movie. Okay. First first change they made was we're going to limit it that you can't post a user review until the movie's released because it was weird that people were pooping all over of movies course. before they were released. That's odd. And now you have to prove... You know, that you're a part of it. But isn't this just further evidence that we can't have nice things? Yeah. The whole totally idea is. of the user yeah. score is like, hey, you know what? Critics will say what critics are going to say. You and I are Joe Blow moviegoer. What did you think? Average man and woman on the street. Are you going to like this movie? We get to give our two cents. You aggregate all that up. Try to help a brother out. Try to help a sister out with a review. That's what that's for. Right. And people have commandeered it to the point where we have to put all these guardrails and regulations around it and 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 regulate it within an inch of its useful life. Right. Because we just have these people who have to go out and screw with it. It's so frustrating. It would be interesting to know how many people that were going to post a heartfelt useful review or score that now can't because they didn't have the phone to take a picture of their ticket. And now right. we can't get a, a really good aggregate. 
My versus, aunt who still got a flip bone. Who right, can't, yeah, like, right. Right. Versus the trolls who were out there in Russia trying to F with a movie for no reason. That's why right. Palms has such a bad score. Like, that was that a fantastic why? movie. <laughs> but I think but we made trolls. up like 80% of its opening weekend box office. <laughs> and I saw it using my AMC movie pass, so I didn't yeah, truly even right. pay you for didn't it. You didn't pay for it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was rough. <laughs> Well, I want to get into John Wick Chapter 3, colon, Parabellum. Uh, but I also want to start, regardless of whatever we discount Mike's opinion as tonight, <laughs> there's already John Wick 4. It's it's, it's in coming. production. Yep, we got, a, we got a release date already. It's fantastic. So, this movie did well enough on opening weekend to just warrant another one immediately. That's that's amazing. Well, I don't think that that happened this weekend. Like, wasn't that a couple of weeks ago that we knew about this? Or no? Am I wrong? Like, no, they waited until the the opening weekend. Okay, all and right. Sort of like there was the the gross came in, and it's like, yep, we're on. We're doing it. I mean, clearly uh, they oh, had they had it wow. penciled in. You know, they just didn't tell us, and sure. now it's like this sort of splashy. Anyway, Exciting. let's kick off. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Get I'll into do a plot recap. Yeah. A really a tight plot recap for if anyone else who has not seen John Wick 1 or 2, I'm not going to do a recap of those. So we'll just pick up where this one starts. And so don't Mike do a recap no of 4 because that one's not out yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Although I can tell you what happens in 4 because we I, already know. I think you can probably figure it What's out yet. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, John Wick 3 picks up moments after John Wick Chapter 2 uh, has ended. And we find John Wick, everyone's favorite beleaguered assassin with a heart of gold, um, running for his life, having been given one hour before he is excommunicated from the society or brotherhood of assassins, which apparently encompasses nearly every human, at least in the city of New York, uh, because he murdered uh, Santino D'Antonio, a member of the High Table, which is the sort of overarching organization that, that oversees this, this shadowy world. Yeah. Uh, inside the Continental Hotel, which is run by uh, his friend Winston, played by Ian McShane. So rather than just kill John, Winston gives him one hour to kind of get his affairs in order before he loses all privileges, all rights, all uh, protections. And there's a $14 million bounty on John's head. So he's off and running, trapped in New York, and he's got to get out, save his skin, and figure out what he can do to prepare to take on the high table. And that's John Wick 3. It's really a, a, a series of uh, scenes. We see John beating the hell out of a number of guys. He cashes in some markers, taps some old alliances that uh, sort of begrudgingly and possibly regretfully help him. Yeah. Knowing that they're running afoul of the high table. And in this chapter, I guess interestingly or different from the other two, we see a character named the Adjudicator, played by Asia Kate Dillon, come in and sort of hold... Uh, Ian McShane's Winston and Lawrence Fishburne's The Bowery King responsible for the help they gave John Wick in Chapter 2. So it's sort of the the sins that they committed against the high table coming back to haunt them while John is just trying to stay alive long enough to figure out how he will proceed from here. The movie ends with uh, the, the high table sort of reconciling the issues it has with Winston and The Bowery King. John apparently dead or not. And certainly looking for more revenge and uh, more bad guys more to violence. kill and shoot in yeah. the face. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's well, John Wick Chapter 3. You've seen the two prior installments. I had not. What did you think of this movie? I got to tell you, 
Yeah, I got to tell you, the first one when I saw it looked like one of those low-rent Lionsgate or Europa thrillers that like Luke Bassan would have directed or would have been a producer on okay. with like low production values, kind of cheesily made in Europe on the sly with kind of a fading action star, in this case, Keanu Reeves. And it turned out to be one of the tightest, most brutal, well-shot, well-choreographed action movies in years. I love it. John Wick 1 is awesome. Okay. John Wick 2, propulsive. They kept the world going, introduced some new characters, gave us a little bit more meat on the bone as to what's going on in this world, but it's really just an excuse for, for Keanu Reeves to shoot, I think, 200-plus people in this in movie. In the face, yeah, right. Okay. In the head, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just amazing action. And I think in Chapter 3... Again, picks up right where number two left off. I feel like the franchise just sort of went off the rails. Oh, Got really? bloated on world building. And this chapter is sort of an unnecessary pause before we get what I think we all thought we were going to get, which is the fight between John Wick and the high table. Oh, okay. And so this feels like just sort of a weird middle chapter that they just sort of made to keep us all busy instead of just giving us the fight that we thought we were going to get. So oh. I actually was was a little disappointed. I think there are some cool things in this movie, but it's not nearly as good as the other two, in my opinion. What did you think, having had no experience with the other two other than the one-minute recap I gave you before right. you saw this movie? <laughs> right. I, th- I thought that there was some escapist fun in it, and it, there were certainly some scenes where I was like, oh, you know, th- they, I mean, <laughs> some, some horrible violence and, and took it up a notch. Uh, but I'm glad to hear you say that because I did feel like it It just seemed to stall a lot throughout. Like it was just violence for violence sake. I didn't feel particularly invested in anybody. And, and I actually found myself midway through the movie thinking, you had encouraged me to see the first two movies before I saw this so that I would have some sort of background. And you gave me the 101 primer for a minute. Right. And, and so, like, like I kind of knew what I was getting into, but I really didn't feel a lot of affection for anybody in the movie. And of course, it's John Wick you're supposed to feel the affection for, but I, I didn't really, I didn't really get into it at all. It was just a violent movie that was sometimes fun at a moment, but that was it. Yeah, and and I agree, and I. It- it was really bumming me out, honestly, as I watched it, because I thought, geez, you know, the. I think the first two really are very well made. And and one of the things that's really it is impressive in this one as well is um, the director of the, of the last one and this one, Chad Stahalski, is a former um, stuntman and fight choreographer. Right. So he's worked for decades in Hollywood and, and he's worked with Keanu Reeves for a long time. And these films are really well choreographed and they're well shot and they use humans fighting and shooting each other in long shots and wide shots where it's very clear as you watch it where each character is sort of in physical space, what's going on. It all makes sense to me as opposed to a lot of other action movies today or like even Marvel movies where there's 10,000 things on the screen and it's all CGI and there's kind of no stakes for anything and you can manipulate it however you want. This one is different. You know, and in John Wick 3, you even get John Wick on a horse 
yeah. in the rain on a bridge shooting, shooting guys, guys on, on motorcycles. motorcycles. <laughs> and it's like, yes. and there's he's on a horse and there's a guy on a motorcycle and it's not CGI. And no. it's like that that in and of itself is pretty awesome. Right. So right. I will still give it high high marks for that, but it felt like in this one it was just like a bit of a showcase for that, but the fights even weren't as good as they've been in some of the other films. I just felt like some of them felt like they kind of went on for a while. Like I'm almost checking my watch in the middle of a John Wick fight. And it's like, that's not what should be happening. I'm with you. I I do feel like the movie dragged a bit during some of those. And I felt like there were at least three times I thought I've seen this fight twice before. Like weren't these same guys in the last fight and he slit their throats and, and somehow they're back. So yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. I do think that it, the I don't think I'm giving away a spoiler here because you said we're going to see another John Wick movie again, but yep. that final fall off the balcony scene where yeah. where John Wick is supposed to die was probably the best fall I've ever seen in my life. Like that was one of those oh <laughs> moments. Right. So it's like that was rough. Like, yes. I mean, he's getting impaled on a balcony and then flipped over, and then a lion takes his head off, and then it was just crazy. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I loved that. That that was a that was an exciting moment in the movie for me. Well, what I find really, I, I maybe I'm just so out of touch. Maybe my user score would be so at odds with other people. But this is a really well reviewed movie. I mean, Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's certified fresh. I feel like uh, Metacritic, it's it's doing pretty well, certainly for this type of action movie. And a lot of praise that critics have is for the deepening of the world or critics seem to really enjoy Halle Berry being in the the movie with these two dogs that she has as, as, as pets and as sort of protectors. And I just thought, oh, God, I did not look forward to Halle Berry. I didn't enjoy a second she was on screen. Oh, okay. I thought I don't remember ever being a fan of Halle Berry and anything, but oh, wow. I certainly wasn't clamoring to have her back. And this movie makes I think the fatal and mistake she's new, of she's new in this movie. She's new in to the, the series. Yep, okay. To right. the series. Yeah. And they give her a scene where she seems just as lethal as John Wick. And the whole point of these this series is no one is as lethal as John Wick. Like he's the guy who kills a hundred guys. Yeah. And now it's like, oh well. He's got a, a band of other super friends who are basically just as bad as John Wick. And while I enjoyed the pro dog message, I was not – I just thought, boy, that was a dumb couple of scenes. Yeah. It didn't do anything. And a lot of the you know the world building and some of the other characters he meets, I just felt like slowed things down, got so in love with themselves and with how, how witty and how interesting it's being. Sure. But it's like – a lot of people just saying words like consequences. Yeah. Right. And that's like right. the full line. I'm right, like, I'm right. so bored. Like, do something already. Kill a guy. Shoot him in the head. I, I'm I'm actually really glad to hear you say this because I, I agree with you 100% sitting through this. I was like, why why is this franchise popular? Like, why, why was this such a big deal? This really seems a little juvenile. It, it seems sort of sophomoric. Um, there, there, but... To Halle Berry, there was a scene that I really liked where they're in the desert and they're about to say goodbye to one another, and you know they've had to do their uh, their assassin marker with one another, and she like drinks all of the water out of the canteen that like before yeah. she sends him off, and if, clearly he's gonna die if he doesn't have any water, and then she spits a little bit of it back into the canteen so we can have it. <laughs> and it totally reminded me of the Three Amigos when. 
when Chevy Chase yeah. is like, like, like swishing his mouth around and, and Martin Short and Steve Martin are clearly going to die if they don't have a sip of water. Their cantina's like, dust in he's, it. He's gargling and, and yeah. spits it out on the ground and they're just crying. I love that. I mean, it was a total, total copy of that moment yeah, yeah. of Three Amigos, but I love that. Yeah. Yes. Now, there are some things, again, that, that I think are fun in this movie, and there are some things that I think a, other people are taking a lot of enjoyment in, such as Asia Kate Dillon, who is a non-binary actress playing the adjudicator. And while nothing is sort of stated about her uh, identity or or how she sort of uh, views herself in the world or or their self in the world. I apologize if I'm using the wrong pronoun, but that is really important for a certain um, group of people. And I I know that that will be cheered loud and long that that character was given much to do, but I actually found her performance kind of boring and sort of flat and not that interesting. And so I just thought, I wish they had given that character more to do because I feel like it's probably a really important character from a representation standpoint, but the character didn't do much and wasn't terribly interesting. So that's a shame. I did like the classical techno music that they used throughout it. Like, I feel like this was a score that was not, I think I griped about the end game. This is the most generic score ever. And I liked it in this one. Like, I felt like this was an action movie score that I kind of got behind. I mean, you had the Angelica Houston character, and God, does she look good. Like, she looks, <laughs> looks freaking fantastic. And uh, so her, like, whole ballet core of assassins. You know, there's you, you had mentioned the choreography of the action scenes, and they actually kind of cross-cut the choreography of some action scenes against the ballet that she's producing. And I really liked the music during those scenes. I thought like, I I felt like it was elevated to, to a level beyond what we saw in Avengers Endgame that I found really bland. Well, let's just take a moment and sort of say a a solemn requiem here for Angelica Houston, because she does look like a melting jack-o'-lantern at this point. And it just, she's just rough, but (laughs) But also that's another thing that irked me because I feel like this was shoehorned in because there is a spin-off TV series being developed about the world of ballerina assassins. I had no idea that this was so, a thing. So yeah, that, now it's that launching. Me. Yeah. You're going to get a whole TV show if you like ballerina assassins. Have we got something for you? So it just felt like we just did this so that we could launch some other property. And again, I I just was sort of like, could we just get back to what made this the first two so great, which is that they stripped all that away. They they gave us little hints and gave you some sort of kind of winks at this broader world and this 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 meteor group of 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 hired killers and shadowy figures that control them, but but really just let us get one guy on the run, either pursuing vengeance or being forced to do something he doesn't want to do. And, and those are sort of primal elemental films that were really exciting and fun to watch. And now it's just this Byzantine world building and like a cinematic universe with spinoffs. And I just think it kind of be, I feel like this one kind of became everything that it, it bucked against the first two. And I feel like it's weaker for it. So still some cool action sequences. I give them tons of credit for the practical work. 
I really, I mean, I will go see chapter four because I hope it just gets back to finishing what they were supposed to be finishing. And they, this is just sort of an unnecessary middle chapter that we can all just not see again. Uh, bummer. So, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? Can I just say, though, what's up with uh, John using a horse to kill a couple guys? Like, at one point, he just is, like, in a in a stables. He smacks a horse on the butt, so it kicks. And it just kicks guys right in the face. And he is killing men with horses. That's Which I thought was just awesome. That's a well-trained assassin. What's up with the first time that he interacts with that Halle Berry character? What's her name? Like, what? What's her character's name? Uh, uh, I want to say what, Bianca, what, maybe. Yeah, what? Whatever. Sophia. Yeah. She she cannot say a sentence to him without saying his name. Like, it's like, <laughs> what? What are you thinking, John? I can't handle this, John. Do you like your oatmeal? John, like every time she talks to him, she has to utter his name. Like we, as the audience, can't remember that that's John Wick. Like, right. like, like his name's no, not too tough to we, remember. Right, we got it. This is the third installment. You're an hour into the movie. We we got it. It's, it's right. John. Yeah, yeah. Bond, James Bond over here. Right. What's up with What's up with Halle Berry's character? Did she have some sort of like facial tattoos? I don't. Yeah, and and if she did, were they really subtle and just look kind of like dirty? Or something. Yeah. What, I, what I kept thinking, like, does Halle Berry have like birthmarks on her face? It's been a couple of years since I've looked at her, but I don't remember her. But it, it kind of looked like a tattoo. Uh, what What's up with the fact that there is a a fight scene at Grand Central Station, and like people getting their throats slit and heart stabbed, and like nobody around seems to notice? And I'm trying to think, like. Is that is that just great cinematography or like are people in New York that disaffected? Like, yeah, they just get their throat slit. Like, I just keep going. I'm I've got a train to catch. Well, this movie doesn't do much for New York tourism in that it also appears that everybody in Manhattan is an assassin, um, including there's a point early in the film where John Wick hails a cab. Just randomly in Times Square, he gets in with his dog, realizes he's not going to make his destination in the hour he has left. So he gives the cab driver like one of these special gold coins that are, are used as as right. currency in this world. Right. And the guy turns and says, you know, good luck, Mr. Wick. So like even this random cab driver knows who he is and is in on the gag that he's got 48 minutes left before he's he's kicked out. And it's like, wow, everybody I mean, who's like the one guy who's not an assassin in New York? <laughs> and what's up with and and you know, movies play fast and loose with geography all the time, right? Absolutely, it's you know, cinematographers want cool shots and cool locations. But in this movie, he's in Midtown, Manhattan. He's on East Forty Second Street at at Grand Central, and to get downtown, he takes a bridge, and it looks like he's going to Brooklyn. It's like, well, why would you, why would you, how would you get from 42nd Street to that bridge and cross it when you're just going south on the island of Manhattan? Like, what? Like, it just was one of those things that we just needed a horse and motorcycle chase on a bridge. So for no reason, you have him go like the complete wrong way. And then after he kills some guys, he just turns around anyway and then goes right back. It's like, 
This just doesn't make any sense. What's up with the guy from The Wire? Is his name... He's the concierge. Is his name Sharon? Is that Sharon, yep. What's yeah. up with him having a weird accent that we didn't need at all that made it impossible to understand what he was saying the entire time? Has he been in the other two movies? I... He has been. He plays the okay. concierge at the Continental. This is the first movie where Lance Riddick is given something to do other than just sort of stand at the concierge desk. Okay. And, of course, this movie is given the opportunity to grab a shotgun and kill a bunch of guys. Because I think that that guy's got a great voice. Like, he's been yeah. in Lost. He's been in The Wire. Uh, like, he, I, I think that he's a cool actor and a cool character. And I couldn't understand a word he was saying. So that was a shame. Yeah, for sure. What's up with the knife fight early in the movie? The first 15 minutes are pretty kinetic action. Like, it's hard to look away. Yeah. But there's a sequence where John actually stabs a guy through the eyeball. Yeah, that was... That Everybody was, I had to turn the away. Theater, People like, gasped wrenched. and screamed. Yeah, yeah it was bad. <laughs> and then the end of the fight... And, the it, and there's a noise. Like, I life. mean, that, that's like the Foley artist got that yeah. noise right. Like, it's it's like somebody squeezing grapes into a bowl. Yeah, it was awful. It was awful. I I was so excited for more of that. This whole time, I'm like, man, we're going to get two hours of that. And instead, we got one crazy, awesome, exhausting fight. And then it like this total, we went to Casablanca and suddenly, even though there's this bounty on his head, for some reason, he's safe in Casablanca Except he's cashing in a marker, but but Sophia and her dogs want to kill him. But the dogs seem to like him because they know he's a dog lover. Yeah. Just kind of rough. So what's up with that? You know, there was a scene early in the, the, the scene you described. And I feel like there were 73 of these fight scenes throughout. And, and a lot of them are a lot of fun. And you're seeing guys get their throats cut and, you know, a sword through the head and whatever. I kind of felt like every <laughs> time somebody got hit... I heard the word is John Wick constantly saying or is it just a constant like grunt every time somebody's getting a knife to the face or something like I don't know they're not cursing I think it might be like a like a it was it was just a just a uh, yeah okay all right all right all right fair, fair enough all right uh, so maybe that's an example of you not thinking the Foley artist did a very good job that that was not one yes I agree are you ready for five questions buddy Yes, let's do it. All right. Uh, uh, Question number one. Thank you, listeners, for the five questions. Question number one. Chad Stahelski has only directed John Wick movies. Yep. Should he branch out or stick to what works? Uh, I think he can stick to what works. I think think he, if he can kind of right the ship. And I feel like, again, I might be the one out on the island here that doesn't love all this complex world building and ballerinas and everything else. I, yeah. I just want to kind of get back to what made the first two so good. Okay. But I think he's got a great eye for action and should do more of it. It's good. All right. Thank you. I, I uh, don't need to see a romantic comedy from Chad Stahelski. <laughs> Palms too. Um, all right. Uh, question number two. John Wick 3 beat the Avengers at the box office this weekend, proving that the Marvel franchise is dead. I love you guys and your podcast. Can you please never review a comic book movie again? I cannot make that promise. That's like 60% of the movies out there. So, no, we can't make that promise. Okay. 
I disagree with your answer, but it, you're in the hot seat, so whatever. Uh, question number three. What does it say about Keanu that he's not only willing, but excited to return as Ted Theodore Logan in next year's Bill and Ted 3? I don't know what that says. That says like this weird wave of nostalgia that's given us, you know, all these television reboots and 30 year later sequels. Yeah. Just who are these people that were clamoring for Bill and Ted? Yeah. I mean, other than no Alex idea. Winter or the, you know, the guy who played Bill, <laughs> like, is anybody, I don't know anybody. Although I will tell you that I will of course see it because William Sadler's coming back to play, uh, the Grim Reaper again. And okay. here's the highlight of Bill and Ted's too. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, question four. I saw, this one's serious. This one gets a little dark. I saw oh. and enjoyed this brutally violent movie opening night which happens to be the same day my seven-year-old son practiced his quarterly code red drill at his school. How do we balance safety and an innate love of violence in an open society? <laughs> wow, that could be the most thoughtful question we've ever received for five questions. I think questions. it's absolutely the most thoughtful question we've ever gotten. Wow, great question, and I am in no way qualified to address it. I'll just say, I hear you. And I don't, th I mean, I don't think movies, maybe they are getting more violent. I mean, I guess you look at the Saw franchise or something, but Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and Sylvester Stallone were killing hundreds of guys back in the 80s. So I feel like yeah. that, that bloodlust is pretty pervasive, but clearly our society is in real trouble. And not at all to be flippant. Let me just tip my cap, though, to The Onion, who recently had a headline saying, you know, 16-year-old freedom fighter unloads, uh, you know, two clips of freedom in most recent mass freedoming, um, which is a terrible, terrible headline, but I laughed out loud when I read yeah, it. Yeah, you know, I, I, I so agree. Sad. But it is something that I think about every day. Like, every day that I drop my kids off at school, it's a thought that runs through my head, and, and it is hard to reconcile that fear with our fun at video games and movies and, and everything else that's it's a lot okay all right question number five reeves claims to have done 90 percent of his own stunt work and rarely used a stunt double how can that be true given in each shot you can clearly see his stunt double chin <laughs> Uh, that's funny. Um, that's funny, but how mad would you be if you were his stunt double? Like, do you think it's really true? Every time these guys claim that they do all their own stunts, if I was their stunt double, I'd be like, dude, no, you Tom, don't. Tom Cruise is like, yeah, I was totally dragging off the back of that plane as it was yeah, taking yeah, yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they hang me by my ankle from a helicopter and dangle me 500 feet in the air. Yeah, that's me. And I'm like, dude, that's me. And you don't pay me enough to lie and say that's you. Somebody's going to have to write a book. Some of these stunt doubles, I'm sure there's some code of silence and there, there's a real honor amongst this yeah, profession. Yeah, but right. somebody's going to be a whistleblower someday and be like, that's a bunch of crap. Tom <laughs> Cruise right. does 2% of his own stunts. Um, but again, with, with the way they shoot these films, I, I do think, and I've seen some of the behind-the-scenes footage from 
the other John Wick movies where you see Keanu practicing for weeks to do some of these long takes of just going through and doing the choreography and loading guns and dropping the clip and doing it, slapping a new one in and shooting two guys and stab a guy. And it's, it's all in like real time and they're pushing them and it's impressive. I mean, yeah. yeah, I think it's impressive. All right. Well, that's five questions, buddy. All right. Well, thanks listeners. Thank and thanks listeners. buddy so much for seeing this movie. I was really hopeful that it would just be a propulsive, tough action movie that while still not your cup of tea, you could go along for the ride. I just feel like this one got a little bit self-indulgent. And it, uh, I still encourage you to check out one and two. because It was are, not my favorite, really but I didn't hate it. So, I, you know, I, I would not say that I'm disappointed that I saw it. I kind of wish that I'd seen the other two in advance. I think that taking your advice would have helped for that. What do we got coming up next? Coming up next, is it necessary... I don't know, but we're going to see the live-action Aladdin, and we'll weigh in. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com, where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the Five Questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Movie Outsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.